Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we check in with James Patrick, head coach of the Winnipeg Ice. They just wrapped up their WHL season, 24 games in a blink of an eye in the Regina bubble. We'll also talk to Ron Brown of Racquetball Canada on his new international appointment. That's all coming up on the podcast. The Western Hockey League season, for at least the East Division, wrapped up. Still some action in the other divisions, but the Winnipeg Ice, they're pretty good. A 6-4 win Tuesday night over the Pats had them in second place behind Brandon by just one point. Very close to getting that East Division, the Subway Cup, I guess they called it for this one year. It was a whirlwind experience, 24 games in just over six weeks, and here to talk about it is the head coach of the Ice, James Patrick, who arrived back here in Winnipeg late yesterday afternoon. James, how does it feel to be back home? Well, it's um, it's uh, you obviously missed it, and uh, I mean, re- I mean, it's great to be back here, uh, but at the same time, uh, I mean, it's it, it's hard to believe that it ended. It, at times, it seemed like it was a long two months, and but also seemed like it went by real quick. And uh, um, yeah, I think for the games, they went by in a blur. Seeing that we're back here, but it's pretty nice uh, looking out on the sunny day today so i don't mind that were there times that it was tough to get through the the two months in the bubble describe your time there um it's it wasn't for me at all and i don't think for the guys um it was either uh our time was i mean there was probably three events to the day we would uh we would have our dorm life we would uh walk about a five minute walk to our meals and then we would uh, we had two vans that shuttled the team, two big uh, fourteen passenger vans, and uh, and you know either a, a practice or a game at the rink, and um, and you know everything was pretty strictly monitored or regulated as far as um, you know we couldn't uh, kind of veer off the beaten path. We had had to walk the same route to the meal together as a group and and back, and so that was kind of our only time outside. Um, and we could uh, only be at practices an hour before and have to leave within a half hour after. I mean, we kind of stretched it out to like 45 at the end. So, but um, you know, the the dorm facilities were great. We um, everyone had a um, all everyone was in in a suite. They had like four bedroom suites that had a kitchen and a living room and two ba- bathrooms. So, uh, you know, you, in most of those four bedroom suites, we had three players. So they did have, uh, you know, they had some area to move around. They weren't just stuck in a bedroom type of situation. Um, most of the guys and and myself included, I, I was with Josh Green, my assistant coach. Uh, you know, we brought a TV. We we watched uh, every night we weren't playing. We would watch NHL hockey and we you know would pre-scout the the next opponent. And so it was, you know, it was a very intense. Um, time of uh, a lot of the focus was on hockey but it was it was outstanding i just can't say enough about the league and and how good it it everything ran so smoothly and um i mean 24 games was the perfect amount you know you think maybe the last two weeks uh um it felt like a bit of a grind but every time we came to the rink it was just it was so much fun um i think we all just 
cherish the opportunity to be there and be in competition. And I know for the, you know, Josh and I and Ryan Ginter were the coaches just to work with the kids and, 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 you know, do any skill work with them after practice. We didn't have a ton of time. A lot of practices were, we only had an hour, a lot of time. We tried to make it as efficient as possible, but all in all, it was an incredible opportunity. What was the quality of play like, and did it live up to your expectations? It it did, and and um, you know it is a little bit um, um, tough to totally to, for me to totally judge. I thought the quality was good. Everyone I talked to said that when we played Brandon, and we we lost four times to Brandon. Every game was a a one goal game. Every game was very closely contested. Um, the the people I talked to just said raved about those games as far as the speed of the games and the intensity. Um, obviously it's a rival and they were physical, um, high pace games. Um, now in, I see big mistakes in the NHL and you see mistakes in junior hockey. Um, that's what a lot of learning is. Um, you know, I know for us early, we lost two defensemen in uh, Carson Lambos and Nolan Orzak. We had, you know, we had that moved younger defensemen in the lineup that moved, you know, everyone up a notch and, and I felt, you know, even in our, for our defensive core, they improved by, by the end of the two months, they improved. But, it, you know, there was some bumps along the road. But that's, that's certainly part of junior hockey. Um, for me, there was um, as much intensity as I, would, I saw during a normal regular season. There was probably a little more pent-up frustration and dislike between the teams. Um, I mean, for I, there was probably five or six times over the course of it when I had to kind of scold my guys on the bench to quit, you know, talking and yapping at the other team and start focusing on hockey. Um, and uh, but I, you know, it, it's an emotional game, and uh, I can definitely say the emotions would run high at times. And you know, when we, uh, you know, a lot of teams we ended up sweeping them, or you, you know, you beat them three times, and the fourth time you're playing them. They hated us, and uh, it carried over into very physical, intense games. Yeah, there was some wonder about the fact that there's no playoffs. What would that mean to the quality of the game? And you end up in second place, a point behind Brandon in the East Division standings. So you go into this looking for results. You look for development. It's all part of it when you can't win a Memorial Cup. But I'd have to say that this was a pretty big success for your club. I mean, we, um, we spent a lot of time discussing, I guess, you know, what we were going to get out of it. But prior to leaving, prior to setting our roster, um, you know, what was most important? And, you know, I, I think continuing the culture and um, trying to develop our players was, was a priority, but we we wanted to win as many games as possible because we felt that, you know, we, you know, going into it, we felt we had as good a team as any and, and, you know, we still wanted to try and, um, you know, try and win the games because it's, it's a culture that you want your young players to be, you know, be involved in and be around. Um, but, you know, saying that there were, there were definitely at times in, in it where you're discussing whether it's important to play, your best players a lot of minutes or make sure, you know, make sure you're getting some of your younger players 
minutes. And that's, I mean, in junior, that is always, um, you know, it's not a problem, but it's something that you have to deal with because, you know, when the 19, 20 year olds leave those, you know, the players who are 16 to 17, they have to be ready to fill those roles and you have to develop them. So we, we did um, discuss it probably more than ever in the past. Um, just because of, uh, because we, I mean, we didn't know there weren't going to be playoffs. We, you know, all along there was, we were told there was a good chance there was going to be playoffs. It just wasn't finalized. And then, you know, and then that was canceled. We knew there wouldn't be a Memorial cup. Um, but at the same time we felt, you know, the, the returning players from last year's team who were a very good team and looking forward for a playoff run didn't get that. And, and we wanted to give them the best chance to win as many games. So is it a bit bittersweet then that there wasn't a postseason? Well, I, I certainly understand um, how hard it would have been and continuing to stay in the bubble. Um, you know, that was, it certainly wasn't impossible, but it was, that was, would have been a long time. But I, I'm not, it, I wouldn't say it's bittersweet. I just think it's unfor- unfortunate for all sports that they, you know, got canceled and it's, where the world is i'm not you, know, you can't blame anyone it's 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 what happened but i feel bad for i feel bad for the 19 and 20 year olds who haven't got to play in the playoffs for the last two years and they'll never get that back um and and certainly i'm just kind of answering the question i'm not i would never complain because everyone's lost right lost out we've all lost out a lot more but mm-hmm. in, in terms of hockey i feel for those guys right looking ahead now to next year and i guess just the future of junior hockey specifically in manitoba the fact that brandon and winnipeg finished one two in this the hub situation the fact that you were probably going to face each other in the playoffs last year I, I think this bodes pretty well for this junior hockey rivalry in this province does it not it, it sure looks like it. I mean, um, you know, with us moving here, um, I mean, I think, I think Brandon relished it because it's, you know, it, it saves them on travel. It's say, you know, we it, were able to play a lot, you know, a, a schedule favored with playing them a lot. Um, and it's, you know, I, I think they've done a great job of, uh, I guess, rebuilding their team, uh, you know, coming off uh, maybe five years ago, they, they won the whole uh, the Western Actually, went to the Memorial Cup five six years ago. I don't I can't remember exactly when, but they didn't really have a real uh, downtime, which you often do in junior. And they were and they're right back to being uh, one of the best teams. So um, that's uh, a, a credit to them. And then you know I can say with us, uh, you know Matt Cockle and, and Jake Heisinger have done a a great job of of building up. Uh, you know, being able to uh, get some real good young prospects, you know, through the draft and, and kind of build our own team from the start. Um, so, I, yeah, it's, there's, there is a number of NHL players that are, are playing on both of those teams, um, and, you know, playing in our province right now and playing real good hockey. So um, it is it's awesome for the rivalry, and it's, it, it gives the people in Manitoba an opportunity to, you know, to learn about this this league and learn about how good this Alberta hockey is. All right, I'll let you go on this, James. What was the first meal you had back home? You know, we actually had really good food. We, um, you know, it, it kind of sorted out between the dorm and we were allowed to order in. But um, 
Uh, I, the biggest thing I missed was making uh, homemade fresh salad. So I made one of those last night with some pasta and, uh, and it was perfect. So your first meal home, some, it, it, just a salad. It was a salad. That was the biggest thing. Couldn't, That's right. Couldn't get a salad in the bubble? We did, but not like I make them. Okay, so the James Patrick special. Yeah, I load them up. Awesome. Well, James, appreciate your time. Congrats on the success this season, and uh, we'll uh, hopefully have some uh, more hockey to talk about later on. Thanks for this. Okay. Thanks, Chris. We don't normally talk about racquetball on the show. I haven't done it in a while, but we're going to do it here because this week Winnipeg's Ron Brown was appointed by Racquetball Canada to be the representative at the International Racquetball Federation and the Pan Am Racquetball Confederation. Brown has dedicated over 30 years to the sport at the local, provincial, and national level, has been involved in performance at all levels, governance, coaching career has been equally as impressive, represented Canada as a national team coach at 20 international events over a period of 26 years. His athletes have won 84 medals at the Pan Am Championships, World Championship, Pan Am Games, you may also know him as the president and CEO of the Boys and Girls Clubs of Winnipeg, which he has been for just over a decade now. And I had the chance to ta- talk to Ron earlier today and started by asking him how he got started in the sport in the first place. You know, it was back, boy, it's a while ago, I'm going to date myself, but uh, 1979 was the first time I ever saw racquetball being played. Uh, I moved into an apartment block uh, in, um, you know, north of the Grace Hospital, and uh, they had racquetball. That was my first exposure. So, yeah, it goes back to, you know, 1979. But I really started getting involved in the in the early 80s. What drew you into the sport initially? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, I think I've played every sport, you know, including all the team sports. And once you get uh, sort of once you get through, um, you know, high school and university, it's hard to play team sports. So I just happened to watch these two guys playing racquetball on this racquetball court in our apartment block and thought, wow, I just need one other person. And, uh, and the fact that I didn't have to go chase the ball or, you know, have to depend on weather because it was indoors, I thought, wow, this is a, this is a really neat sport. So that's why I gravitated to it. I had, I had a friend, and I think the first time we played, we must have played for like three and a half hours. So it's really just happenstance that a court happened to be there, really. Yeah, I knew, you know, I didn't know anything about racquetball at the time. Nothing. Uh, it just yeah, it just happened that they had this court, and uh, I watched these two guys play, and that was my introduction. And it's not like you could go Google the rules at that time. Yeah, we kind of figured it out. We asked uh, we asked somebody, what's the basic rules? Like, they, you know, they told us in maybe a minute, and uh, off we off we went. So from there, uh, when did you really start to to get super into racquetball and realize this is something that you wanted to make a big part of your life? Yeah, I started to play, like I said, in the early 80s. And my first real exposure to uh, kind of, you know, higher-end racquetball was I, I was, and I gravitated to coaching right away, too. Um, and coaching was kind of new to racquetball. But I, I was the coach of the Canada Winter Games team in 1983. Racquetball was a winter games sport. And that was my first introduction to, you know, kind of the the global world, at least in Canada, of racquetball, and how neat it was at that level. And uh, then Canada had uh, had its first international team that played in the uh, in the World Championships in 1984 in Sacramento, California. And somebody encouraged me to apply for one of the two coaching positions, and I did, thinking, well, that's a stretch. And um, uh, lo and behold, I I was one of the first two 
coaches of a, of a national team uh, from Canada. So why coaching for you? Well, you know what? Uh, I, I've often said this when one of the people that I coached was Sherman Greenfield, who most racquetball uh, fans would know about. So Sherman's from Winnipeg. He's a two-time world champion. And the first time I saw Sherman play, you know, our age, our age difference is about eight or nine years. And I, I realized that no matter what I did, no matter how hard I trained, how much I practiced, I would never be as good as he was. And he was just getting better. And uh, I thought, well, you know, my future as an elite player might be kind of limited because I'll never have those skills. But coaching was starting to emerge, right, where, um, where players were looking for coaching help. And, uh, and, and instruction was huge because racquetball was booming. So I thought, ah, that may be a niche for me. So that's the door I chose. So is it a very kind of interpersonal uh, profession when you're, in terms of this sport compared to other sports, very one-on-one? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'd had experience coaching hockey. You know, I was a hockey player, and then I gravitated to coaching. And, you know, coaching or hockey's got a lot of moving parts. But really, when you're coaching an individual athlete in a sport like racquetball, you're right, it's very personal, right? Um, you know, easy to build relationships on a, on a you know, pretty significant level. And uh, the thing I like about racquetball uh, is you can actually coach. In other words, you can call timeouts while you're playing and interact with your coach. So you can affect the outcome of a game. And I really love that part of it. What's the state of racquetball in 2021? Both in, Let's start with Canada and then we'll go worldwide. Yeah, you know, it, it, it boomed, you know, and I was, I was in on the boom, right, uh, where everybody played and then uh, it, you know, dropped off precipitously. It's really dependent on facilities. You know, a racquetball court uh, is a very specific thing. So it, it, it was very competitive when it was booming, and then uh, then when the wheels came off, you know, a lot of people moved away from it. So in Canada, it's kind of plateaued, right, and, and uh, so, sort of slowly keeping its base. But what you're finding in other places in the world, South America, for example, it becomes it's becoming a very, very, um, and has been for quite some time, a pretty important sport. So soccer is obviously the, you know, the, the, the number one sport that people identify with around the world, but for South and Central America in particular, racquetball is huge. And how often do you get asked about squash and racquetball and what's different about those sports? Yeah, uh, a lot, right? <clears throat> a lot of people identify them as court sports and, uh, you know, what is the difference between them? You know, it, it's, it, it, they are different, but in, in, uh, for the layperson, there's, they're a lot alike, right? It's a racket, it's a ball, it's a court. Uh, the dimensions are different. Racket is longer in squash. Uh, racquetball, um, racquetball, you can use a ceiling, which you can't do in, which you can't do in, um, uh, in squash. There, there are differences, but they are often lumped together. That's for sure. Do you still play? You know, it's funny you should ask that. I wasn't playing nearly as much as I used to, and then was ready to come back. And guess what? Uh, the pandemic shut down all the courts, but. I just learned that the University of Manitoba um, has reopened their courts. There's there's rules, right? We can you can only play singles, not doubles. Uh, distancing, mask on, uh, off the court. So I'd love to start playing again. I I can't begin to imagine the rust uh, that will pour out when I start to hit the ball. Explain the new rule you have and all it entails for us. Yeah, it's it's kind of um, you know. I did this by default when I was coaching because uh, international, the international federations would meet around competitions and I'd be coaching 
And by default, because I had an interest in this, I would sit as Canada's rep. Nothing formal, but it was to represent Canada at the international level. And at the time, there were quite important things going on. For example, um, you know, the Pan Am Games in Winnipeg. Uh, that had that had a lot of Canadian input. We've we've hosted a couple of World Championships in Canada. Those are the kinds of things that we would be involved in directly as a country. But also, you're part of the growth or some of the initiatives that are happening in the sport. And Racquetball Canada, you know, reached out to me and said, you know. Um, this was a vacancy they had and wanted to tap into the, you know, the many years of experience I'd had. And I thought, you know, right now actually is a good time to do this because you don't have to travel. Uh, you know, everything's being done virtually. But there are important things coming. And I'll give an example. One of them is, you know, the, the LA Olympics are going to be um, in 2028. And the local organizing committee, they often have input into new sports that can be introduced. Now, we've tried to get into the Olympics before. Not an easy thing to do. Squash has certainly had that experience to try to do that. So it sounds pretty exciting, and I thought, you know, this might be a way for me to get reinvolved in a sport that I really love. I was just going to ask you because I was thinking, I don't think racquetball is an Olympic sport. Is it just the process of there's already so many on the list? What's the reasoning you've heard as to why racquetball is not in? Yeah, you know, I, I got I to say, Christian, I think I think if if we understood how complex that is, you might be able to figure out how to get it done. But it's it is a really really hard thing to get into the Olympics as a new sport, and um, uh, there's so many different factors, right? How many how many parts of the world is it played in? How easy is it to televise? You know, this this does get monetized at that kind of a level. You know, um, it's really kind of what the global reach is for for a sport. And, you know, like I said, squash has tried. It's not easy to do, but um, there is there is some work being done to try to position racquetball uh, to get into 2028. Now, <clears throat> we'll see where that goes, but I'd love to be a part of that process for sure. I'll leave you off on this, Ron. For someone out there, and let's kind of fast forward to a post-COVID landscape, I guess, when we can do whatever we want. But for someone that's thinking of trying out a new sport, sell them on racquetball. Yeah, and I'm biased, obviously, because, you know, racquetball hooked me a long time ago. But I loved, again, that I, it wasn't weather-dependent. You know, um, court's not huge. I can't lose the ball. And uh, But what I love is it's fast. Um, you can hit the ball as hard as you, as hard as you, as hard as you can. And um, what I love about racquetball is it has the kill shot. It, you, you can – I could be constantly – off balance. In other words, you could be running me around, but I could hit a kill shot and win that rally. It, it has the home run, uh, which I just absolutely loved. And then physically, what, what kind of workout are we thinking here? Yeah, you know, uh, two evenly matched people can have, a, can have an amazing workout. And it doesn't seem that way because you're having fun at the same time. But, um, oh yeah, you, um, it can get you into shape uh, and it can keep you in top shape. As, as part of a workout regimen for sure awesome maybe i'll have to check it out someday i've never actually played i think i played squash twice and it was rough but uh, yeah. I'll, I'll put it on the list of things to try ron appreciate your time thanks for this and congrats on the new gig here thank you very much christian take care well thank you very much for listening to the cjob sports show podcast if you like what you heard guess what you can hear more every weeknight on cjob from 6 30 to 9 p.m of course that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places, I'd imagine. So farewell. 
Until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that they should come to this.